one glorious, beautiful moment uh, covers up a really, really rough weekend for the Detroit Tigers. Today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Lockdown Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, the 4th of July. Happy 4th, everybody, 2022. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, okay, we're back in business, baby. Uh, thanks for putting up with me uh, last week through quality of shows and and uh, product and how I sounded and literally everything uh, unavoidable. And I, I really wanted to just keep doing it as best I could. That was as best as I could, unfortunately, which was just not very good. So thanks for putting up with me. And uh, we're back, as you can tell, sounding, feeling great, sounding, uh, you know, I'm not sure I ever sounded great even before, but sounded better. Uh, so we're, we're, we're back in business. The Detroit Tigers, however, are not back in business as they drop this weekend's w- series to the Kansas City Royals in a just uh, putrid is really the word I want to use to describe it. Just not good. It, it really was was just... Bleh. How I felt last week is how this series made me feel watching it, even though I didn't feel like that anymore. Is that track? Probably not. But it was really bad. Not great. The offense was, was obviously the, the main catalyst for why it, it was not good. But but the pitching by Sunday, I mean, we, we got another rough scooble start. We're definitely going to have to talk about that which we will on the show, uh, Peacock broadcast, Riley Green is, is Superman, everything. We're going to cover the entire weekend's uh, shenanigans, as we'll say. But it all started on Friday, the first day of July. The Tigers dropped that one three to one. Um, and, and just for the record, before we, we, we wrap up, wrap up, we're two minutes in. Before we finish, nope, that's also wrong. Before we continue that's the word golly um <laughs> the detroit tigers we, so we dropped two of three from kansas city i tweeted this out but it, it's worth re-mentioning dropped two of three from kansas city that is the fourth worst team in baseball the team with the fourth worst record in the game of baseball that's obviously not good now your team has the fifth worst record in baseball at the time of this recording so I guess it, it's about even even playing field from an outsider's perspective, but it shouldn't be, right? Like, it shouldn't be. Um, really just a rough series. And you, you drop two of three from the fourth worst team in baseball, the, the, the t- only team behind you in the standings in your own division. And in the entire weekend, you scored four runs off of Royals starting pitching. Four runs. Three game series, you scored four runs off of Royal starters. 
Royal starters don't have good ERAs. All of their ERAs, the three dudes that we faced, all of them had ERAs well north of four going into their outings and were lowered to around four after their outings were done. So uh, shout out to the Tigers offense, just really in the in their feels and, and in the season of giving, I guess, the 4th of July season of giving. That doesn't really track, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just abysmal. And look, I said last week, right? We talked about, Hey, the, the future, the, the, the future 16 games, the next 16 or 19 games from July one until the all-star break, uh, that was going to be vital to this team's season, whether, and, and I mean, for probably 80% of the fan base, the season's already been a complete wash and a complete waste and uh and and a complete and utter failure and that's totally valid and and you're right to think that um but the, the from now until the all-star break was like the last hurrah it was like the okay this is either going to be the nail in the coffin and it's truly going to be over and and the entire second half is just going to be a consolation prize or they're they're going to go on a run all games within our division from now until the all-star break, a huge opportunity. If you went on a hot streak to kind of get your head back to at least around 500 or, or around, you know, sea level and, and not just a complete embarrassing product. Um, and we're off with losing two of three to the Royals and not able to hit uh, dudes who have career like four and a half ERAs on the Royals at, at home with everybody on your team like back and, and your superstar rookie who continued to crush the ball this weekend, Riley green had a fantastic weekend, obviously. And it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. It's really an, an, uh, an unbelievable product. I, I've truly never seen anything like this before. I've never seen an entire team of people who, everyone's having their worst year like of their career everyone Miguel Cabrera is the only person and the messed up part is is that relative to his prime it's still like an off year it's just compared to everybody else on the team it's not as bad so you're like okay like not you though you know what I mean um I mean he's he's pretty much a 300 hitter on the year um just zero power like Miguel Cabrera power gone, but at least he's putting the ball in play. He's driving in runs. He's, he's, he's getting still scoring runners in, in uh, that are in scoring position, which the rest of the team can't do over several times this weekend on, on uh, runners with scoring position, average runners scoring position. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. I I've truly never seen anything like it. Robbie Grossman, one of the, if not like the worst year he's had since he was an established starter, uh, Javi Baez worst year of, of, of his career. And, and the last week and a half, two weeks, he's, he's been a lot, looked a lot better. Um, but this weekend he didn't really contribute too terribly much offensively again. So he's having a rough year. Spencer Torgelson, this is his first season. So I guess it's not technically his worst, but it's certainly his worst of his life. <laughs> Uh, I mean, comfortably, the the worst season he's ever had uh, in, in his entire life at any level. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Tucker Barnhart, comfortably the worst year. I mean, 
if he had a few more at bats and he was a qualified hitter, he would be comfortably the worst hitter in Major League Baseball, and it wouldn't even be particularly close. But because Eric Haas plays just enough to make Tucker Barnhart not a everyday qualified hitter, at least the time of this recording, um, he he is spared from from that title, sparred from spa, spared spared. That's the word from that title. It's Jamer Candelario just has been lost at the plate almost the entire season. Jonathan Scope, comfortably the worst year of his, his career. He's one of the worst qualified hitters in the game of baseball. As is Robbie Grossman. I, I, I left that out earlier. It's unreal. And you start that with Friday this weekend. You lose 3-1. to one. You lose 3-1. to one. You score one run. One. Off Brad Keller. Brad Keller, uh, just for, for the record, first off, pitched shutout ball against. You did not even score a run off of Brad Keller. So that's nice. Um, Brad Keller on the season, wins loss wise. I don't believe in win loss at all for pitching to evaluate a pitcher's performance, but just to give you a sense of how bad the Royals are and how little Brad Keller has contributed to this that team winning ball games he was two and nine going into the game and and is now three and nine obviously he went six innings of shutout ball five k's uh looked looked pretty darn good and, and the thing is like he didn't even really look that good like i know I, I the first thing i said was sarcasm it's 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 remarkable to me i've never i just keep repeating myself i've never seen it i've never seen this happen I've never seen an offense where like balls right down the middle are just uncompetitive or, or pitch sequencing. Like it's like, Oh, like this is probably, this makes sense to, you know, this is a fastball count and a fastball right down the middle. And we either, sometimes we just don't swing. That was Sunday's thing. Sunday. We just weren't swinging at balls that were blatant, like over the heart of the plate. And like Sunday, we kind of even redeemed ourselves and put up what four runs. Just really, really not good. And Saturday wasn't very good either. The the last two batters of the game salvaged another horrific offensive performance. Just trying to cover it up. Don't look here. We have Riley Green. We, we won a ball game. Don't look here. The rest is not ugly. That's what it felt like. It's on rail. So Friday, um, yeah. Well, I mean, what? Yeah, one run. You, you had six hits. At, <laughs> yeah, guess how many extra base hits the Tigers had on Friday? How many times did they get more than a single on Friday's game? They had six hits and four walks. The correct answer is zero. Let's talk about Bill Barr. From the people who invented. The healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. Coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor. That flavor that you absolutely love is now in, in a delicious chewy marshmallow covered in hundred percent real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop the drooling right here. And listen, they're good for you too. That's the craziest thing about Bilt Bar. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein. 
all delicious all the time. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to built.com right now. Make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Bill Puffs is, of course, that they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt free because they are actually good for you. Like I said, they are the perfect treat, perfect for when you're craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, quick healthy snack. They're an excellent source of protein. They're just the best. I and mean, you guys have heard me talk about Bill Puffs, Bill Bars forever. So the delicious coconut, rich, sweet, brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing and just go to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. Welcome back here to segment two at Locked on Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Check us out on the tube. Uh, you can see me. So that's kind of like a thing. I don't know. That might not be very much of a pull for some people. But um, the Tigers, you, you you know, what's a transition? You, not very many people want to watch them either. You know, it's been a rough go. So we talked about Friday. It was an absolute disaster offensively. Um, on the bump, Michael Pineda started. Look. Uh, he didn't look very sharp. That's no surprise to anybody. He went five innings, seven hits, three earned runs, no walks, three Ks, uh, no swing and miss stuff, and was getting hit really hard. I'm honestly surprised that it was only three runs. I think that's more of just the Royals are not good. Um, and, you know, we just lost a series to him. That's not me saying, oh, we are and they're not. That's just like we both suck. So this is kind of what happens when two teams that aren't good play each other. Um, so... It's uh, he didn't look very sharp, but at the end of the day, if, if, if you go six innings and give up three runs, that's a quality start. That's what Bo Brisky had on Saturday. We'll talk about his performance here in a sec. Um, Pineda went five and gave up three, and then the bullpen didn't give up any. So a quality start. Baseball says that a quality start, a, a start by a pitcher in which your team is in a position to win the ball game. He's giving up three runs over six. The Tigers gave up three runs over nine. And we're not even within a run of winning. Really, really rough offensively. Then there's no power. There you go. Ball goes short. Team goes short. The opposite of, of, of ball go far, team go far. It's just that's what it comes down to over and over and over again is no extra base hits. And on Saturday, you had a couple of extra base hits. A couple that were really timely, and you won a ball game. Four to three win over the Royals on Saturday. Uh, kind of like I said, covered up a really dreadful weekend. Gave some hope to to I don't know if it really gave anybody hope. Actually, that's probably not true. But it just made you think like, okay, the season like we're not going to be competitive. This team is not going to make the playoffs or anything, and probably not even going to go five hundred. But Maybe we can play like above 500 ball from here on out. Maybe this can kind of light a fire boat under everybody and, and you can kind of go on a stretch. And then Sunday happened and you were slapped in the face with reality. But Saturday did leave you with a good taste in your mouth. And, and Riley Green was absolutely fantastic all weekend and uh, continued that obviously on Saturday. 
had the triple to dead center, 413 foot or whatever triple to uh, to, to dead center, cranked one, and then in the bottom of the ninth, hit a solo home run to dead center of Comerica Park, 108 off the bat, 100% uh, expected batting average because it went like 430. Um, unbelievable. He He's unreal, and, and he is saving so many people's like will to watch this baseball team. Like there are, uh, I I personally know a plethora of people who straight up would not watch this team if it was not for Riley Green. A, a plethora. He is saving the watchability of this team, one at bat and one diving catch at a time which is embarrassing because he's been in the major leagues for like 15 games, but it's true. He's electric. He really is electric. He is incredibly fun to watch. His approach to the plate, I think is probably the most impressive thing like I've ever seen out of anyone ever. That's really dramatic and probably not true, but I, I just, I love the kid and, and he, he is, his approach to the plate is fantastic. And, it, it, I think the most impressive part is is the patience that's balanced with aggressiveness, right? You can be patient and aggressive. Those things don't have to be uh, exclusive to each other. That's not what I'm trying to say, but you get, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, they, they don't have to be, you don't have to be one or the other. You can be patient and be aggressive. And that is what he is. He will spit on balls outside of the strike zone. He will draw walks. He has a great walk rate so far in the major leagues. He's been walking a ton, as we all know. But at the same time, he is also like OPSing 830. He has an batting average of almost 300 and a slugging percentage over 400. Like he's getting his extra base hits now. He has the, the a couple of doubles. He has the triple. He has now his first major league homer. Like he he's he is patiently aggressive if the ball's in the strike zone and it's straight and it's a fastball especially he's going to take a hack and he's not afraid to and that's the thing with spencer torkelson that that we've been uh frustrated i guess is the word with a, a lot of torque this year is is at times he's been he's just been way too passive and like he's getting his walks but he he he, he won't turn on balls in the strike zone and riley green does not have that that issue he is patiently aggressive and it is a, a treat to watch him bat every single time he steps into the batter's box uh, and he's been really good defensively in center field as well um so saturday's game was saved by that but again was not a good offensive performance right you had victor reyes victor reyes man deserves his flowers has been really solid and, and a team that has not had very many solid players this year Victor Reyes has been solid when, when in the majors. So, so big ups to Vic. Um, this one, you had two extra base hits before the back-to-back -back home runs in the bottom of the ninth to win it. Now, so you ended with four, and two of them were homers, and, and so you got pushed over the edge. But when you were losing two to three going into the bottom of the ninth, you had two extra base hits, and neither of them were homers. It's not rocket science, man. I'm going to keep bringing it up because it's painfully obvious, but it, it's not it, it, It's not rocket science. Hit the ball far. That is how you win in 2022. I'm sorry. 
I love walks more than anybody. And I, I, I wish this team walked more because they don't, and it's annoying. But it's just, it's everything. Like, it's not even like, oh, well, if we walked more, then we, you know, maybe we'd be better. And I love walks, so that, that makes sense. Or, oh, like, walks are stupid. I think we should hit for a higher batting average. Or, oh, both of those are dumb. We just need a bunch of, like, nine hitters who just hit for low averages and, and just try and hit home runs every time. We don't have anything. We don't have any area of offense. We don't, we don't have. We can't hang our hat on anything. So everybody's right. Yes, we should probably be hitting for a higher batting average. I don't even like batting average that much, but we should probably have a higher one if, if you're a good offense. You should be walking more. You should. That's objectively true. Just uncompetitive at-bats. I think it was the sixth inning on Sunday was one of the most uncompetitive innings offensively that I've ever seen any team ever do. And I've seen my team lose 119 and 114 games in a season in my life. One of the most just gross, like I said, uncompetitive offenses I've ever laid my eyes on was I think it was it was either the fifth or the sixth on Sunday's game. Uh, just brutal. You think we should have more homers? You're right. We are historically low in power and are, are not like it, it. It's not a pick and choose. It's we. It's everything. This offense is bad at everything. They need to improve at everything. And here we are. That on Sunday, you had four runs, which is not bad, right? Oh, there's some fireworks starting to go off. I'm recording this the night of the third. Um, you had some, uh, you had you had some, you know, four runs. That's not it's not horrible. You had two home runs, right? You had the Torkelson home run, uh, which I, I I was excited about when it happened because the barrel control was beautiful. It was a pitch that that moved and rode in, and he he kept the barrel and stayed with it the whole time and and pushed it out to left. It was a beautiful swing, beautiful approach, just beautiful pitch to turn on. Really impressive piece of hitting. And then the rest of the entire game was back to to the same old torque. That's just a, a been a ground ball machine to the left side of the infield or a pop out to the right side of the infield. That's everything. Everything's either a ground ball to third or elevated pop out to shallow right. And and that's what it was for the next two three a abs after the uh, the the home run. So you had your two homers, got you to four runs. And then besides the two homers, you only had, so you had three extra base hits total because of the Tucker Barnhart double. And besides the homers, you had one. And and four runs is not some pitiful performance that the, you know I I don't think the offense you, you had nine hits, one two, three four walks, nine hits. So you had you had thirteen base runners and four extra base hits. That's not a bad. Day, I mean, like, it's not great, but relatively speaking to the rest of the season, that's not a putrid day at the office. We've seen a lot worse. Um, and then Tarek Skubal just continues to slide, and we'll talk about him after I tell y'all about Bet Online. Bet Online, not that is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, 
and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back to our third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. Um, let's get the Peacock broadcast out of the way at the beginning, uh, just so that we can get to the actual game afterwards. Um, I I really liked the silent broadcast. I was a big fan, and I know that that was a pretty controversial, light controversial. It was, you know, there are there are aggressive controversial things on on social media. Um, it, it was it was a nice lighthearted discussion from what I saw. For most people with it but um it, it was a pretty debated topic on whether you liked the, the the silent broadcast or not i wanted even less talking i didn't think very many of the interviews were that good uh like the carousel like i could i don't need to talk about the carousel at at, at comerica park I, I don't need to watch two grown men ride the carousel at comerica park like, i'd rather just watch the ball game uh the negro league interview stuff was super cool um, so that's, that, that was, uh, that was really cool to learn about the history there a little bit, but like we were just interviewing like random people, like random fans in the stands and like talking like, I, I, I wanted a silent broadcast. Like that is what I wanted. I saw, that's what I signed up for. You promised me a broadcasterless broadcast. That's what I wanted. And, uh, in, in the few half innings where there were true, truly no, like, broadcasters and nothing being said i loved it i love it i'm 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 a baseball lover and and nerd through and through uh the sounds of the game i think are awesome i think every broadcast should offer that as an available option i think when you go on mlb tv and you're going through which broadcast you want to select there should be home road silent i i truly think that and I, and i think that there should be an option to just Watch it without without a broadcast and just watch. You, you just hear, you know, that picks up the mics that are in the park. You, you listen to the hot mics and and you listen to, to um, you know, the, the sounds of the game. And, and it just sounds like you're, you're whatever, in attendance or just at, at a ballpark, at a local park, whatever. Um, I, I think that's cool. So um, I, I was I was a, a fan of it when they actually stayed true to it, which was not very often. But in, when they did, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I I mean, peak like it's weird. Like we're starting games at you know eleven thirty or noon, and uh, we're doing like the brunch peacock thing. And there's eighty million things you have to subscribe to to watch every baseball game now. And uh, I'm not really sure how that's helping the game, but that's a whole different conversation. End of the day, um, I was pro the silent or broadcasterless broadcast. I, I was pro it. I, I enjoyed just listening to the game of baseball, just watching it myself. I, I, I think it's a it's a rather enjoyable game or way to watch a ball game. And, and that's not to say that I I think that um, like I what am I even trying to say? And that's not to say that I would always watch it that way. I just think that that should always be an available option because I would definitely take advantage of it. Um, I don't know. Often. I don't know. But if that reality existed, that'd be super cool. Um, so we got that out of the way. Peacock, early game, whatever. Uh, let's get to Tarek Skubal. He struggled again. And 
Final line, we'll just get that out of the way. Four and two-thirds, five hits, five runs, three walks, one strikeout. That's like the alarming thing. One strikeout. By the way, Bo, Bo Brisky, really quickly. I know I'm jumping all over the place. I'm sorry. Week Monday episodes are weird just because you got to cram so much in. Uh, Bo Brisky was solid, I thought. Um, really, really not solid first inning. Really solid next five. I was very, very impressed with how he was able to recover. And I, I loved his pitch sequencing. I loved how he relied heavily on the fastball because the rest of it wasn't really working. That's what you're supposed to do. If, you're, if your secondary pitches don't work, guess what? They're your secondary pitches. You shave them off. That's like the whole point. They're access. They're extra. They are your secondary. So if your secondary isn't working, if your cherry on top is bad, then don't put it on top and just have frosting out of whipped cream. I don't know where that analogy is going, but he, he just went back to the fastball because the fastball was working. Uh, not a very high exit velo- average exit velocity for a fastball's sake. Um, CSW percentage of about 30% on that pitch alone, but 21 on the game. So like, again, just throw the pitch that's working. If you're able to dot it and then locate it well, why are you not throwing it? So he went back to that. He knew what was working. He knew what wasn't. And I really, really appreciated that. So shout out to Bo. I I really innings two through six masterclass. Um, it was just the, the first inning was, was a struggle. Still got a quality start out of a game in which he threw like, 25 pitches and gave up two runs in the first inning still got a quality start out of that performance we'll take it um and you know thankfully we ended up winning the ball game so sunday Tarek scuble four and two thirds five hits five runs three walks one k i already said that um his era is now dangerously approaching four uh the one strikeout is is obviously super alarming as Tarek scuble's like whole thing is not his whole thing but he, in the minors, he was a strikeout machine. And last year, even, good K numbers just gave up an unbelievable amount of hard contact. And everybody's like, oh, like the, the old Scooble is back, right? I, I don't agree with that. I don't think that this is last year's version of Tarek Scooble. Last year's version of Tarek Scooble gave up an unbelievable amount of hard contact right? He got hit all over the yard. He was giving up home runs left and right. It was ugly. And in this game, he did give up what two homers. Um, but the average exit velocity on the game was less than 84 miles an hour. That's soft. That's, that's not, uh, that's not very high. That's a solid number. This is all command. It's all command. And last year we would have like the take pitches off thing, right? We had the Scooble inning. Everybody remember if you listen to the show last year, Derek Scooble would, would carve people up for five innings and then have one inning where he'd give up five runs by himself. And if you just remove that inning, he'd be fantastic. We, we trademarked, not actually, but um, for the sake of the show, the Scooble inning on here, like that was a thing. Oh, if you just got rid of the Scooble inning, that, that is not this year. This year is is a slow burn of just no command for an entire game. And, and the stuff still plays. It does. The, the stuff is still solid. But not, it, today, especially yesterday, as you're listening to this on Sunday, there was, there was no fooling anybody. I mean, seven whiffs on 89 pitches is not anything to write home about. That's not a very impressive number. Um, and the CSW percentage was 22% called strikes plus whiff percentage. So 22% of the pitches he, of his almost 90 pitches he threw 
were called strikes. One, oh, that's like just barely better than one out of every five pitches thrown. That's not good. That's really not good. Almost one out of every five pitches he threw was either a called strike or a swinging strike. That's far too low of a number. And it's all command. And it's all specifically, you know, it's been pointed out by a couple other people now at this point as well, but we've been talking about it on here for a couple of his last starts now. It's glove side. His glove side command, he's laboring. He can't hit anything that's inside to righties or away from lefties. And like earlier in the year, he was so one of his best strikeout and swing and miss pitches was the fastball inside to righties. He was able to, to, because he has a solid fastball and solid velocity and spin and everything. He was able to, to cram righties, you know, I can't think of the phrase cram, whatever. Uh, I really, I totally can't think of the phrase that I'm thinking of. I'll think about it randomly at 3am. I'm sure, but he's able to, to really throw inside to righties and, and, and give them all, all stiff and, and uh, is able to take advantage of them in, in that when he can locate the fastball, especially up and in two right-handed hitters. And it's just not there. There is no glove side accuracy whatsoever. And this game, there was really just no accuracy really at all, uh, especially with the fastball. The fastball accuracy was, uh, and command was pretty brutal. Um, but, I mean, he, he spiked a, a, a changeup into the ground. He threw a slider that, that uh, was v- like almost hit a dude in the, in the ankle. Like, it, I mean, it was, it, was not, it was not great. It was really not great. And it all comes down to command. And, and I, I'm not sure anybody has the answer of like what, how do you fix command? I, it, it could be a mechanical thing. That's a Chris Fetter question. <laughs> a fatter question like it, it could be mechanical in theory like he very much could have a mechanical problem uh i'm not even going to go down the injury thing uh, i think look i mean it might be true but you could say that about literally anybody who's ever struggled ever that like oh they could be hurt and i know we have a history of that with with fulmer and, and everything but um I, I that's this is a completely different coaching staff uh and i i truly don't think that knowingly they would do that and uh also like the the velocity hasn't dipped um i, I don't know that I'm, I'm just not even gonna like entertain that that's like a really popular uh like theory on social media is always like maybe he's pitching hurt I'm, I'm not we're not entertaining that thought that's um that's like a total shot in the dark that's not something that we're gonna talk about as as legitimate it could be true but um, that that's a total shot in the dark. And if he happens to be hurt, then you just like, luckily got right. That's not anything that anybody, nobody's seen anything. Nobody's like, Oh, like, well, you know, we saw this in school, the velocity's fine. Everything's fine. Like whatever. Um, so it, it, I mean, it could be a mechanical issue. It could just be, this is his second full season in the majors. And then he's still not used to pitching on point, like laser focused all year from, from, April to, to October yet. I I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'm not in Tarek Skubal's brain. I'm not Chris Fetter. I don't know, but it is blatantly command. That is the issue. It's not stuff. It's never been stuff. Um, it, it is command and it's really, really struggling at the moment. Mightily struggling. Man, 
it's it, like gloves, even the home run, you saw it, the, the home run, um, the second home run he gave up on Sunday's game. He wanted to jam. That's the phrase. He wanted to jam the fastball in. He wanted to get it in on, on the right-hander's hands. He wanted to jam him inside. I, I couldn't remember a three-letter word. Um, whatever. <laughs> story, story of my life. But it's it, it's you, you had, and it was set up, and you were going for a K, and everything was great. You were going for a big swing and a miss, and you missed your spot. It caught way too much of the plate, and, and he took you almost 400 feet to left field. That was the textbook play. If there's one pitch to prove everybody's point about the glove side accuracy, that is it. So there you go. The offense this whole weekend was pretty abysmal and not impressive whatsoever in any game. Even on even when you did score four twice, you barely scored four. You kind of got bailed out on, on Saturday. And... Uh, on Sunday, you you kind of did better, I guess, than you had the previous two days, but that doesn't make it good, right? Like, there's a big difference between a good offensive performance and better than Friday's one-run performance. And Tarek Skubal continues to struggle, and the sky is falling. Unreal. All right. Monday shows are always a little long just because I have so much to cram in there. I'm really sorry that I went so over time. Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us. Um, I think that's all I got for you. I think that's all I got for you. Peacock, all three games, offense, Scooble, Brisky, Pineda, bullpen, uh, was pretty solid the entire weekend. Sure. Uh, still some people that have crazy command issues. Uh, Jason Foley on Sunday, really uh, pretty much everybody that pitched actually on Sunday, everybody that took the mound on Sunday had pretty putrid command. All five pitchers that pitched on Sunday walked at least one batter. So outs- if you remove Sunday, I thought the bullpen performances on on, fr- on Friday and Saturday were really solid. Uh, this bullpen continues to be one of the better in baseball when it comes to bullpen ERA. That's great, uh, but it doesn't matter when you're holding on to a lead that this offense will never catch. So there you go. Fourth of July, we have a doubleheader. Garrett Hill, that's the other person I want to talk about. Dang it, this is going to be a 40-minute episode. I'm really sorry. Um Garrett Hill called up. Alex Fiedo's pitching one of the games. Th- that was a roster move. He got sent down, but he's like sent down. Like, hey, they want to watch his innings because he's coming off of Tommy John, which is totally legitimate and everybody should be in full support of. It's weird that people aren't. Uh, that's just really, oh, Scooble might be pitching hurt and oh, look how they ruined Michael Fulmer. But yeah, please keep pitching the rookie coming off of Tommy John more. This is stupid. This organization wants to lose. Can't have it both ways. So that makes sense. Also, though, we have two double headers from now until the All-Star game. And and Fido's going to pitch in both of them. So he's sent down, but he's going to be the 27th man and pitch twice from now over the next two weeks. So, like, he's not even really, like, sent down. They'll reevaluate everything on the All-Star break. Garrett Hill, though, fun pitcher in the minors this year, dominated double A. Dominated double A. 
Uh, really, really pretty lively fastball, a plus changeup. That's that's the plus pitch. We heard that about Brisky too. Garrett Hill is a solid, solid change. Uh, his breaking stuff is foul too. He's got a four-pitch mix. Um, the slider can be really good at times. Uh, has trouble locating it every once in a while, but uh, we'll see. I mean, Major League debuts are complete shots in the dark, honestly. It's not even really all the time a great reflection of how good or, or poor the pitcher is. Um, so, Garrett Hill. Yeah, low mid-90s fastball, like anywhere from 92 to 94. Um, yeah, plus change up. Strikeout machine in double-A. Machine in double-A. He really did dominate. Got called up triple-A. Struggled the first, like, in his first, like, five starts. I think he had one decent performance. So, like, really struggled out of the gate in triple-A. And then over his last three starts, he's only given up one run in triple-A. Uh, the strikeout numbers, they're not as redonkulous as they were in double-A. Um, but they're still like 11K per nine or something, so really solid. So uh, Garrett Hill will start on July 4th, um, and then Alex Fido will start the other one. There you go. I really have to go. I'm so far over time. I'm very sorry. Thanks for putting up with me. We're feeling a lot better. Um, yeah, thanks for the support as always, even though the team is is very frustrating. I appreciate y'all continuing to come back here. I Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. And I will catch y'all tomorrow recapping two more games. Look at this. <laughs> uh, how do I end the show? See you then. Go Tigers. That was a really loud firework.